and welcome to the Scottish Roadscast, a podcast about Scotland's roads, bridges and motorways. Uh, this is our 2022 Christmas special. I'm Stuart Baird. And I'm John Hassel. John, it's great to see you. It's great to see you, Stuart. Christmas special time again, eh? Looking forward to it all year. All year indeed. <laughs> and as, a, as is usually the case with these Christmas specials, they do tend to run a bit longer. Right. We'll probably be here for about 90 minutes. Yeah, an hour and a half. Yeah. There's plenty to go over, plenty to talk about. Indeed there is. And what makes it really special is we've got two very special guests. Uh, first, I'll introduce you. Well, you guys, does he need any introduction? It's Duncan McKnight, uh, regular contributor, asked loads of questions, been on podcasts before. How are you, Duncan? What an introduction, John. I'm good. I'm very good. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm very good. Are you Are you feeling Christmassy? Oh, I'm always feeling Christmassy. Yes, of course I am. <laughs> Good stuff. Getting in the spirit. I'm glad to hear it. It's that time of year. Indeed, indeed it is. And another guest that we have, a very special guest, and for those who've listened to the podcast for a long time, uh, they'll they'll know this chap who has appeared now and again. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's Sergeant Nick Twig of Police Scotland. Nick, wonderful to see you again. Yep, glad to be back, or or glad to be here for the first time for the the Scottish Roadcast. It's always nice coming on for the, the, the Christmas specials. Yes, we always enjoy your insights as well, and we have a, a number of questions lined up for you as part mm-hmm. of our wee discussion as we go through, John. So why don't you tell everyone what we're going to be covering this edition? Yeah, so we have, it is a long podcast, we have to split it into its component parts. Um, first to take the microphone will be Duncan. Now, Duncan is going to be speaking to us about uh, the cross state link road, which is something we have touched on before. Um, so talk basically bring us all up to speed on that one um next up it's nick uh who'll give us a kind of an introduction of the work he does uh out there on the roads and we've also got quite a few questions to ask nick which are going to be the kind of same questions that i think a lot of the members of the public want to know as well yep. uh, we can have a bit of a discussion around that too oh, definitely um, yeah and uh then for my sins i've got to talk about some travel options the future of travel electric cars i think that's going to be quite a good discussion it's not we're not really uh, a driving podcast but no. it's to do with roads um, and of course we have some listener questions so yes. thank you for them there's loads of them to get through uh, and then Stuart you're going to give us an update aren't you on the on the Scottish Road Archives what direction we're going how things are going yes indeed so we'll do all that at the end so yeah we'll squeeze all that in nicely tonight in a minute I think we? it sounds very agreeable mm-hmm, I think so all right chaps let's kick off then Duncan we're coming straight over to you um, cross tail link road yep what is there to tell us I was uh, down in the Perth area not too long ago and saw uh, the progress that had been made since I last went down. And I went, oh, I have to have a, I have to talk about this because uh, every time I see a road getting built, I have to learn a bit more about it. And this is quite a project. <laughs> uh, so this is part of the Perth City Deal schemes and improvements that are being done. Uh, so there's a few schemes of road improvements which we all like in the archive. Uh, so it's the project's been taken forward by Perth Council and they've kind of divided it into a few sections. Um, of course, one of the issues with Perth is it's kind of constrained on uh, the east side by the river. And then you've also got the, the A9 bypass, which kind of constrains it as well. And uh, you've got sort of restricted land as well. So obviously there needs to be some improvements because uh, there is some traffic congestion around Perth, which some people might not know that Perth gets busy. <laughs> oh, I know it um, gets busy. Uh, some of the improvements that have been going on, so phase one of these improvements is are the A985 improvement, that big ju- that junction job that uh, that went on. So this was the initial junction was a kind of folded uh, 
dumbbell type arrangement. So this is being expanded to accommodate larger traffic flows in Bertha Park, which is to the north. And where's this, Duncan? This is this? Uh, between Broxton and Inveramond on the on the A9. So the west side okay. of Perth. Oh, is that the one at the football yes, stadium? St. Johnston's, I think that's what it's called. I'm not a football yeah. expert, so I think that's what it is. Um, so this was this was expanded to the uh, up to the north with a bits of new road and new bits of slip road. Uh, this was uh, completed in March 2019 and it was constructed by Balfour Beatty and Jacobs and the council were the main designers of that. Uh, and there was also a new footbridge put over the A9 as well. That uh, steel truss thing that sits just to the north of the junctions that was put in. Yeah, <clears throat> so you may have seen that. Yes, I have. I'm glad you glad you mentioned that because I forgot that was a part of that that project as well. So, that was. Did you say that's the first phase of it? That was phase one. Yes. So phase mm -hmm. two is like the big interesting bit, and this is called the Cross Tail Link Road. Uh, so this is essentially right. a new road running from the A9 to the north of Inveralmond Roundabout to the east. So it will cross the railway, the river join up with the A93 and then end on the A94 and it will run to the north of Schoon. Mm -hmm. Schoon Palace. Schoon yeah. Palace. Um, that's to the northeast of Perth. Schoon Palace, yeah, it will run near there. Mm. So it's going to be a single carriageway road. Uh, so I'll talk through some of the bits and pieces that are going on here. So at the western end of the scheme, there is a lot of earthworks going on at the moment and that is for the A9 diversion. Now for this, the junction for the for the road to connect to the A9, there isn't really an awful lot of space to build a junction. So the A9 is being diverted off to the west on a new alignment, and there's going to be a folded dumbbell junction connection there. And uh, the old section is hard up against the railway and the river, yeah. So there's just it it needs a bit more space. So that's going to be put on that. And the original section of dual carriageway that's going to be abandoned half of that's going to be removed and it's going to be removed and turned into what's called a park and choose that's what they're calling it so a very large car park and you can walk and cycle into perth uh, you can walk and cycle along the the link road over to schoon and uh, i think there's also going to be bus services as well so it just keeps the traffic down at inveramond i mean that was one of the main the main goals for this for this scheme okay park and choose is an interesting term so it's it's basically like park and ride but without the buses but you said some buses are coming some buses i think are coming there yeah so it's a sort of park and choose so you can stop and you can walk and cycle or take the bus uh, the really big engineering bit of this project is the tay bridge uh, this is going to be a three-span structure crossing the railway and the and the river um if you want an idea of what it's going to look like if you look at the awprd bridge Basically, think of something like that, but a bit smaller and carrying a single carriage. So that sort of um, concrete design. I'm not entirely sure of the name of it, but it's going to be that uh, that design of bridge, because of course it's a environmental environmental area. So we've got to keep the impact nice and low. And then something that's very interesting: uh, once the road goes north of Schoon, between the A93 and the A94, there's going to be a green bridge built over the road. Oh, I know what these are. So. There's mm -hmm. one of these, I believe, on the Aberdeen Western Peripheral Route. They've built a few of them down south as well. Yeah, so what these are is a large bridge, uh, not really carrying a road or a railway or anything like that. Essentially just landscaped to allow wildlife 
a passage over the road without making it a sort of a road so it's less intimidating so hopefully less uh, animal incidents that will happen along there so nice and sympathetic well normally what they do is they put in a, a kind of a, a mammal crossing of some sort which is normally a, a tunnel yeah that's beneath beneath the road um but i know you're saying kind of this is less intimidating because it's more natural yes i suppose um with the, with the green bridge it's just as if you know there isn't a road there i suppose that's the thinking yeah duncan quick question for you here and i, I imagine a lot of the listeners are thinking the same if i'm coming south in the a9 and i i am looking to go north and to say tayside yes uh can i take this new road and rejoin the m90 a90 north of friarton is that an easy maneuver when this is all finished not really no it will go as far as the a94 and that's as far as this project will go for the time being I mean, there is, uh, is it Kinnell Hill that sits to the north of the Fratton Bridge, and that's a bit of a constraint because uh, it is quite steep. So your only way to really get back onto the motorway is to go down the A93 or A94 back into Perth. So, you know, that's that's one of the downsides. It's not a full ring round the whole of Perth as it does stop at the A94. Is, is it safe to call it a, a northern bypass for Perth? Mm, you could. You could call it that, yeah. I think Cross Tay Link Road sounds quite exciting, but Northern Bypass, it could it could be classed as that, yes. So this will hopefully remove some of the congestion at Inveramond Roundabout, which is the roundabout to the north of Perth that the A9 uh, crosses over, and it's where the A9 interjects with the Perth traffic going into the industrial estate. So at rush hour, lots of big queues. So hopefully, people coming down the A9 into Perth, going back over the bridges in in Perth. And back up to Schoons, let's say they won't have to go through Perth and they won't have to go around the roundabout. So hopefully this will ease pressure off the off the roundabout. And again, there's two bridges in Perth, just the two uh, road bridges there. So that's obviously a bit of a bottleneck. So if this will ease it off, then I can see this working quite well. I mean, I don't live down in Perth. So I don't know what the situation is at the moment, but I can see that causing some problems. Duncan, this sounds like it's going to be quite a really interesting project. And I think maybe maybe next year on the podcast series, we'll maybe get you in to talk about that one in a bit more detail. Yeah. But that, that's certainly a, a good sort of introduction to it. Probably highlighted it to a few listeners as well. Maybe well, not we, we only kind of touched on it when yeah. we spoke about City Deal. So, yeah, as this project progresses, um, you know, yeah, let's hear more about it. Duncan, um, just for the last thing about it, uh, unless you've got something else to say about it, is there a timescale for its completion that you know of? How long is this going to go on for? Uh, timescale for completion. I will just check the website just now. Uh, by the way, the Perth Transport Futures... Uh, website is fantastic for further information on this so it's www.perthtransportfutures.co.uk and all the information you have will be in there let's have a wee look so and that's quite handy because i know about these road works on the on the i know that there's the dueling works on the a9 but this is something completely separate yeah uh, so you know if you're wondering what that's all about and you're interested in what duncan's saying you can visit the website yeah most transport futures yeah. so program here is august 2022 is when the main construction of the a9 diversion begins and by september next year we should hopefully have the a9 on the new alignment and by february 25 is when they're saying that the Tay Crossing Bridge and Link Road will be completed, and uh, Bam Nuttall are the, one of the one of the main contractors of this this project. So quite a few years yet, then. Yeah. No. By the sounds of things. And who who was the designer in this one? Do you know? It was now Swaco. I've seen been mentioned a few times. 
Uh, I know that Jacobs did phase one. They may have had some involvement with phase two. Uh, the council are kind of taking control of this, so they've probably had a bit of input. So it's probably a bit of Swaco and a bit of council, a bit of both, I guess. Yep. I did also get some uh, some photographs when I was down there, so hopefully we'll be popping them up on social media as well. Who knows? Oh, get them shared. Yes. Yep. <laughs> we'll get them up on the social media, certainly. Yep, brilliant. Look forward to see them. Um, no, that's that's pretty decent, and and I think we'll add that into the mix for the podcasts next year, along mm. with some maybe some updates to the A nine and some of the other major projects that are, yeah. that are kicking off. John, yeah, absolutely. Always good to talk about them. All right, Mister McKnight, thank you for that. We will be back with you, no doubt, as we as we go through this podcast. Um, John, what's next okay. on our our list? Next, yeah. next on the list is um, is is Nick, is is Sergeant Nick, um. Eagerly awaited, uh, of course, ha- having you on the podcast again. But can you, before we, we start interrogating you, sorry, interviewing you uh, yeah. <laughs> with questions here, um, could you just give us a bit of an overview of the job you do um, in, in and around, you know, the Glasgow area? And then we'll, we'll move on to yeah. the questions. No, it's right at all. And I'll try and keep my answers a bit brief. I know I've got a tendency to, to waffle on, so, so make sure you stop me if I'm talking <laughs> no, too much. Since I've last been on the podcast, my role's changed somewhat. I have been promoted to sergeant within uh, road policing, so my day-to-day activities are, are different from what they were as as an officer. Congratulations! Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much. Congratulations! Yes. Um, uh, no, so my my role my role's changed somewhat, uh, and instead of being out on the roads as often as what I used to be, I'm now more dealing and, and managing the officers that are out on the roads and doing the job that I used to do. Um, I do still get to go out, I do still deploy and do still do what I can t- to help and, and where I can, but my role is now a lot more focused on the, the more serious and fatal collisions that happen eh, on Scotland's roads network, um, where I am deployed as what's called a senior investigating officer now to help um, ascertain what's actually happened and, and get the facts and stuff. It's, it's uh, the not nice side of the job, unfortunately. Um, but for a regular officer who's uh, out and about in the, the motorway network of the roads uh, in Scotland, they generally deal with just nose killed or seriously injured in Scotland's road network. Um, they do that by proactive patrols. They do that by uh, stopping things before they actually become a bit more serious. The, the, the classic example that everyone talks about is, is speeding. You know, it's one where um, a lot of folk generally um, have a lot of opinions on, but it's one of the major contributing factors for us in uh, serious and, and fatal traffic collisions. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. No. Just uh, just on point. the on the back of that, then Nick. I mean, we often talk about the Glasgow Urban Motorway System on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously a How major, it all started. Yeah, a major <laughs> feature of the road network in Scotland. There's no way that you could possibly talk about the history of roads and motorways in Scotland and not cover it. With that in mind, then how how say would the job differ on an urban motorway like the M8 in a city centre location, say compared with a rural motorway? So, thinking for example, what's it like working on on the urban stretch of the M8 compared, say, with working on the rural section of the M74, say down past Moffat, for example? You know, are are the are the things is it basically the same, or are there key differences? I have had experience in working in both of them. Okay. Uh, Glasgow, um, the, the, the centre or the, or the urban motorway side of things with the reduced speed limit and the high mass lighting generally makes it an awful lot easier for us to deal with incidents on, on the network. Yep. Um, it also makes it easier for us to get to incidents because of the amount, in, uh, amount of on and off ramps which are so close together. It makes manoeuvring between junctions and manoeuvring between locations substantially easier versus if you've got something that happens down at Elvenfoot 
and you're away down the bottom end of the M74 oh, yeah. and if it's you know just after a junction and you have to travel all the way down to the next junction to turn to come back up northbound to try and get to it and you're, you're adding a good you know, five minutes of I'm, your journey I'm at that point between, like junction 11 junction 13 yeah. that's a nightmare yeah. Yeah. 13 yeah. miles between junction 14 and 15 i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and it's, it's a lot. It's a long drive if you know somebody needs somebody, some type of emergency okay, response, yeah. and you've had to, and you've had to get to it. In addition, you've, you've not got lighting down there, you know, so it's a lot more difficult for people to see you. And although we've got big flashing blue and red lights in, in the back of the car, yep. mm-hmm. um, sometimes to some people that that acts more as a an attraction to them and end up driving towards the blue flashing lights which doesn't always make it yeah. safer for you when you're down in, in the dark areas i think that that's a void or to caution <laughs> you know not not yeah. drive right at it but okay the interesting take yeah. yeah yeah it's a it's fixation people generally see the lights and they're too busy staring at the lights yeah. because it's the most interesting thing in the road and generally you'll find that a car goes in the direction that someone's looking mm, right because inadvertently they start to turn towards it um Luckily, I've not had any, any incidents, but there, there has been other serious incidents that occurred in Scotland in the past uh, because mm. of it. Okay, okay. M- 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 I had a quick kind of question here. Um, just wondering, you're speaking about Glasgow and some of the positive aspects of working in the urban motorway system. What does make gla- working in Glasgow a bit of a nightmare, in your opinion? Uh, is there something about like the urban motorway system that is difficult? Um, or, or different I, challenges I, that arise from no, that. There is a couple of things, and I've just realised when I'm talking just now, I make it all sound doom and gloom. It isn't all doom and gloom. <laughs> working in the motorways and working in Glasgow is an absolutely phenomenal job, and it's I wouldn't change it for the world. Right, um, but now that you've got me started moaning... We're in for the long ride. <laughs> Get comfortable, no, the, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> the, the biggest thing with the urban motorway in Glasgow, and I've mentioned it before, is because it is in an urban location and because it is so easily accessible for people to walk onto Mm-hmm. who don't really know that they shouldn't be walking on a motorway they simply see it as a quick way to not just walking but cycling or electric or, or other modes of transport yeah. some coming home from a night out they see the exit on the entrance onto the kingston bridge yeah. don't want to walk all the way down don't want to take the footbridges yeah. and they'll try and walk or cycle over the kingston bridge or you know or between 15 and 16. Yeah. Uh, we get cyclists through there as well it's definitely how easy it is for pedestrians and other users who shouldn't be using the motorway to access the motorway okay so there's a question from from me on this then so until the 1980s the entrances to motorways particularly urban motorways had no pedestrians no animals no whatever signage do you think that is something that should be considered to be brought back in in places yeah, I would like to see it back again. Yeah. Um, there, there is still signage about, if I recall correctly, because I know the Edinburgh Bypass yeah. has it, but that's not a motorway. Yeah, yeah. I believe the M80, or is it the M73 up at Gartcourse, sorry? Some of I our they've still got special roads. Yeah, so there's a no pedestrian sign up at Gartcourse and the on-slips mm-hmm. there um, because there's active yeah. footways across the tops of the slip road. So I guess that's just to let the pedestrians know they don't turn left. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but no, definitely, I would I would have those signs back because it's a good indication for people on on like yeah. some mopeds or, or, or lighter or yeah. lighter powered bikes. Delivery drivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about them later, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> delivery uh, riders. Delivery riders. Yes. No certain companies mm-hmm. mentioned. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Again, you're getting me my high horse, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Good. Good. Yep. Okay. I have got another question here. Now, you mentioned in your introduction about speed, okay? Um, speed limits are often, you know, a hot topic among the users of, of the motorway system. Um, can you can you kind of tell us why they are important uh, and how much the enforcement of speed is part of your job? Like, how much of your job do you deal with, you know, speeding? Uh, I suppose I see many people kind of 
misbehaving on it and other things like that and it must be challenging for you yes um, very briefly a lot of folk just before we start talking about speeding and this might be one of my longer answers so I apologise oh, but fine. very briefly a lot of people um, talk about speeding and, and they'll more and say the speed limits have been the same since the 70s since the 80s nobody's ever changed them but car technology's gotten better so why why aren't the speed limits That's higher than argument. what they are yeah about braking technologies and things have got better so yes. why can't we drive quicker yeah and it has because people are more easily distracted in cars now there's a lot more infotainment systems a lot more things to distract people from actually paying attention when they're driving so although we've got that technological breakthrough with the brakes to slow cars down an awful lot faster we don't have the drivers paying attention like they should mm -hmm. and like they used to either so it's a it's a sort of it's a knock-on effect essentially so when people are cars are able to brake faster and quicker mm -hmm. people aren't paying attention so they're still having that long distance to break, they're still having that extra long reaction time, and, and it's still posing issues. Okay. Big issue uh, with speed is that it's one of the, the most serious, or one of the, the biggest contributory factors towards what we call the fatal five, the, the mobile phone usage, the speed and the drink, drug driving, the, the, the campaigns that we run generally. Yeah. We find that in the vast majority of our serious and fatal road traffic collisions, it's to do with inappropriate speed or people driving too fast for the conditions. Yeah. That doesn't mean to say that they were speeding above the speed limit. It means that they were going too fast for the conditions or for the vehicle or for their capabilities. However, generally we find that having speed limits on the road reins everybody in and it, it lets them know that you should not be able to go past this speed here, which means that you are in control of your car, you're in control of what you're doing on that road. You should be able to stop and brake in a safe amount of time to stop any collision or anything uh, happening. Uh, speed detection for us is a, a major part. Uh, we are one of the, the very few units are the only unit that can uh, proactively police the uh, motorway network in Scotland for speeding offences and we do that using a, a variety of, of devices. Mm -hmm. We have the, the classic cars where we follow folk uh, behind them using follow on speeders. We've also got laser based devices called Unipars where you'll see us sometimes standing um, on motorway pods or sitting in pods and look at me you're a six foot six giraffe holding a unipart point the folk I'm not that hard to miss um, and we've got a device called Vascar visual aid speed computer uh, visual aid speed computer and recorder um, that we can monitor the distance over someone travelling work at the time they took and then you know the high school physics creation yeah. uh, distance equals speed over time to work out how fast they were travelling Okay. okay, that was a detailed answer. Yeah. So I, yep. I, I like that, and you've given us some of the technology that you're using yeah. as well. So I think people uh, people appreciate. It. Yeah. yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can talk. I can talk for ages about the technology, and generally, if you're in the back of the police car, I will talk about the technology because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hate people walking away and not really knowing what's actually happened. See, okay. see if I've stopped you for something, especially speeding. I will explain to you fully what's actually happened, why it's happened. You know, I, I'm not going to make anybody feel bad. It's the they've been caught they've you know what's happened has happened but i'll fully explain them so they know what's uh, what script us yeah okay mm -hmm. okay uh that would be a great time to say what would what are some of the excuses you hear for speed? I was going to say, um, we've got to ask this because, you know, you, you'll have many customers uh, you deal with every day, I suppose. Um, what, what are some of the uh, excuses you hear from people? If, if anything and everything, you know, I need to get a hospital appointment, I need to get a doctor's appointment, I need to do this, I need to do that. I, I shouldn't be, you know, I was stuck earlier on, so I shouldn't be subject to speed limits you know it's all right i can do this i can do that you know and then you get the, the temporary speed limits that come in and then they say oh it was my sat nav told me it was 70 there's big massive roundels there that tell you it's actually 40 so yes you know, i have heard people say that when they've then they've gone the wrong way somewhere with a sat nav told because they don't look at the mm -hmm. road signs yeah that's yeah. a bugbear 
yeah. one of the problems yeah. of technology people becoming too dependent on it and not thinking Absolutely. independently yeah, and being in actual control yeah back to the whole braking thing that i said as well people are too dependent on what the technology of the cars can do and not what they're actually capable of mm. yeah poor uh, okay, that wasn't one of my, <clears throat> my proper questions, but you've answered it, so that was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, next one for me then. So on the back of that we discussion, how would you rate the driving standard or just the behaviour in general of motorists on the urban motorway system? Say compared to elsewhere, just on like a more rural section or, you know, roads or in the countryside. I mean, some of those country bumpkins can be a nightmare driving as well. And people like John from up north, well, you know. That- we've, also, we've got to remember, we've got Duncan here as well. True. And Duncan, I'm sure you're you're a model driver up in Inverness. And don't oh, of like course. These of course, yes. <laughs> you've got to watch uh, out for but, the sheep walking on the road, you know. Yeah, oh, exactly. It's busy. I mean, Nick, do you, th- do you feel that... Again, you're probably a good guy to ask this. Like on the urban network, because so much is happening so quickly, do you think people tend to be better drivers in that section or are they just a nightmare? I, I think it's a mixture of both. You get the people who are really concentrated and do their best to try and manoeuvre and weave between lanes, which we don't like them doing, but they do. And then you get the ones that just they need to go from lane one to lane four because that's their exit. And the next thing you know, they're just boom and away over. And you know, there's no stopping them. It doesn't matter if it's a bus or a heavy in the way they're, they're getting from lane one to lane four. The, and the classic for that one is the junction sixteen on, and then the junction fifteen off. Oh yes, that's eastbound. a horrendous manoeuvre. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to be doing that. And you do. And, and you see them, and they're literally just shooting all the way across. It's yeah. There's there's some who are good at driving on the network. Some I suppose it's the same as all, all throughout the network. It's um, it's just people actually having the ability to know to stay to the leftmost lane mm-hmm. unless yes. the signs tell them otherwise. Um, and generally, we do get a lot of middle lane hoggers. Yeah. In the, in the Glasgow well, network, unfortunately. This is what the, I was going to ask you. Like like these might not be. I know you mentioned about lane hogging and other things like that, but I'm talking about maybe things that aren't really offences, but are there any really annoying driving habits that you observe and want to see less of on a daily basis? Uh, not Good question, actually. Um, okay, they can be offences. <laughs> but they annoy you. I think, that, that's the thing, I think nearly everything that does annoy me is offences, so uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, as, as harsh as that may seem. No, it's generally just the, the we have to remember that in uh, in the roads policing, our standard of driving is generally higher than that of a, a, a normal member of the public. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes hold the members of the public standard of driving to the same as ours. And we don't, they, they pass a test, and as long as they pass the test, they are competent to drive on the roads. Um, I am glad that motorway driving is now part of the test, yeah, or, or part of the, of the syllabus for it, because it gives people a lot of experience, and I think that's helped massively over the last uh, year, year and a half, for new drivers coming in. Uh, but there was people who had never driven on a motorway before, had passed their test, and that was hitting they were straight into Glasgow, and it was a 50 mile hour to begin with, and then they were way up to a certain yeah. and nobody really told them proper lane discipline or, or what they were doing, and mm-hmm. it ended up a bit. Mm. It always seems strange to me that that hadn't been included much, much earlier. I mean, we've had motorways here since the 50s, uh, yeah, in Scotland exactly. since the 60s, you know, it, did, it, it took a while to get that added in, and like you say, it's a whole different it's type of driving. You know? We talk about speed, mm-hmm. I mean, this this is my personal opinion, but I've always found that the motorway driving, the easy part of driving, what I do not, what I found very difficult, and what still gets me anxious to this day is, is urban driving in streets, and, you know, and all these kind of areas, often stuff at much lower speeds, you know, but, but different strokes, you know? Um, mm. But uh, uh, Duncan, um, like myself, we we grew up and passed our test in a place where we don't have motorways. What was your? How did you find when you went on a motorway for the first time, Duncan? Um, well, my first motorway was the M90, so it was uh, essentially just 
two two lanes that keep going because I'm used to the A9 where two lanes is kind of a pleasure, but no, this is two lanes that kept going for more than two miles. I mean, I I, I mean, remember the, the whole of Scotland. Sorry, the whole of Scotland isn't covered by motorways. My, my first job was at a police officer. I was based in uh, the Isle of Butte, where they had one set of traffic lights and two roundabouts, and that was the most complicated thing you, you came across over there. So you wouldn't expect them um, to to drive in a motorway. Okay, uh, another question. Uh, oh, have you got one? I've got one. You go with yours first. Right, okay, I just think okay, about okay. Um, Nick, what is your uh, least favourite part of the, the the motorway network in Glasgow? Least favourite, uh, most hated junction, bit, stretch of road, and why? It's right. Can I can I can I give something off the motorway yeah, that yeah, attaches to it? Yeah. Um, See, coming on to the what is the M8 secondary carriageway or the M74 southbound, mm-hmm. just past is it the, the house of share? Yeah. Is the, the oh, cash and carry there? Yep. Yes, yeah, yeah. That three lane section of road where if you stay in the rightmost lane, it's for going straight ahead. Yep. Yes. But that also takes you on to what is the M8 secondary carriageway leads to the M77 and, and the continuation of the M8. Yep. Yeah. That small bit there because nobody sticks to the right lane mm. when they're going round there mm-hmm. yes it's, it's, I've it's been a pit hate. up there uh, a few times yeah. yeah I know exactly what you're talking about it doesn't help that half of the road markings are missing around there um, yeah. to be honest with you and yeah the, the, the lanes 1 and 2 are just for M74 if I'm thinking of the yep. right bit that's that's a better one yeah for M74 southbound and lane 3 should be for mm. heading onto the M8 secondary carriageway uh, and onto that's the M77 because I, I hate that bit too and I'm always dodging manhole covers when I'm going on the 74 as well yeah I know the bit I know exactly the bit because I was on it um, only a few days ago yeah yeah and it's, it's a busy junction and again if you're not used to that style of driving and you're not used to what's going to happen there yeah, it's not ideal for folks. It says in your chest, though, as I say. Makes you a driver. Bearing in mind, of course, now that we are the Scottish Roadscast, yes. the Scottish Roads Archive, are there any other sections of road in Scotland that you particularly detest? Uh, not, believe it or not, not that I particularly detest. I am uh, the heading up to Tully Allen, the, the police college. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's two bridges that you can take. You've got the, the Kincardine Bridge. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the 30 mile per hour limit mm-hmm. um, that one it's a shorter journey I am not always a fan crossing over it I do like it but I'm not always a fan crossing over it I, I prefer the, the new bridge you're a clacks man said about Kincardin Bridge are you a clacks man Duncan I'm an everything I love old bridges I'm, I don't I don't pick favourites <laughs> A non-controversial answer. I <laughs> okay. okay, I'm going to take a few steps back. I'm going to Nick. I'll ask you about some of your favourite things in a few minutes. But uh, first of all, what, what safety improvements? Again, we're back to the Glasgow Motorway Network. Here, what, what safety improvements do you think should be implemented in the future on motorways in general? Are there any things that you think, you know, new technology, emerging technology that would help? on the motorway system, urban motorways in particular, to help them work better, flow better, you know, that sort of thing? From uh, the, the variable the variable message signs that we've got just now, I think should be expanded and should be put uh, in a lot more places, not just in the, the urban motorway network, but across the whole of the network, uh, across the whole of Scotland. And I know that would be expensive, mm-hmm. but certainly the variable message signs that we've got, because that forewarns drivers about issues that we've got coming up and, and tries to mitigate those issues with traffic build up to RTCs or whatever. Yeah. Likewise, the uh, the system, the, the, almost the, the NADICs that we have um, that run just for the gantries, yeah. uh, having them with variable speed limits, mm-hmm. 
you know, and not just, and this will be a bit controversial, um, especially coming from me, but not just for advisory speed limits, but uh, also compulsory speed limits. Yeah. Mm. to change the speed limit based on the conditions oh yeah like to kind of well use the term kind of smart way to a but something that would come up with like a uh, a red round or like in the m90 yes. corridor uh, for example yes on, on new sections of the it's m74 mandatory. and the yeah. m8 and stuff out today. yes I, i'm loath to use the, the term smart motorway oh, but yeah, something similar to that well, where but, it, but we know <laughs> that we know when people when you say it we know what you mean yeah yeah right. yes a, a more managed motorway managed, managed motorway the original term yeah. 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 which is probably the best yeah. way to describe it. okay that's, that's pretty mm. decent in terms of what but you might have some thoughts on rural motor uh, sorry rural carriageways single carriageway roads uh completely different environment totally mm. different challenges anything on mm -hmm. them that you think might be something that could be beneficial in the absence of getting street lighting or high mass lighting pretty much everywhere which would destroy the, yeah. the landscape mm -hmm. um, i don't think that'd be allowed but the the cat size that have started being put into roads that have the leds that are uh, oh, yeah. charged by solar mm -hmm. Yep. Um, marking the, the road width and the centre lines of the roads, uh, especially for double weight line systems, mm -hmm. um, I think are absolutely phenomenal and should be placed uh, pretty much everywhere if if funding allows. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen those solar mm -hmm. solar road studs. Um, yeah, they're, they're, mm -hmm. they're good. You can, you can get ones that are actually powered in as well. Yeah, so yeah. Sheriff Hall Roundabout's got them. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and North Lanarkshire mm -hmm. Council have got them on some of their dual carriageway rural dual carriageways on the A73 just before New Mains around about Bellside there's, there's solar studs mm -hmm. on that section made a big difference in the tight bend um, and, and I have yeah. seen them dotted about elsewhere so aye okay interesting uh, I've got another few but I'll come back to you for one first yeah? John yeah. okay mm -hmm. um, I've, I've got one here okay um, Nick this is a nice question okay what's the nicest <laughs> thing that's ever happened while you've been out doing your job anywhere it could be Glasgow it doesn't have to be my what's what's one of the nicest things you come across so surely there's some good news stories as, as being a, a traffic cop I, th I thought you were going to say Glasgow I was going to say nothing <laughs> <laughs> but no okay. uh, no as a, I, I remember as, a, as an officer when I was working in Dumbarton and I was covering up towards uh, Tainout and we had a, an elderly couple that had broken down it, it was a flat tire it was nothing big but we'd pulled in behind them and that's what it was it was a flat tire and they had recovery coming but the recovery was coming from somewhere like glasgow they didn't have any local recovery and it was somebody coming up to change the tire yeah. so they had a spare in the boot they weren't able to change it themselves so we said look we'll, we'll change the tire for you we've got no issues jack the car up change the tire put it down and that's it and and, and got them on their way again their merry way so they were over the minute that and it must have been a couple of months later um the elderly couple the the husband of them i didn't realize was a painter Mm. And I painted a picture of me and my neighbour changing the tire, oh, and said, and as a card to say thank oh. you. And I've still got a photo right, of that card. I've still got a photo. Um, I thought the screen was going to be shared. There, Social media post. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I will. I will happily share it because it's it's one of my favourite photos. It's one of my favourite things that I've ever got because oh, no nice. one's ever done anything like that, and it was just completely out of blue. Right, okay. So could you imagine so like, if, if maybe you were dealing with somebody on a speeding offence and they happen to be an artist, they might. Paint some. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No. Th th there might be something painted, but it certainly wouldn't be a nice picture anyway. When you first mentioned about a couple of them changing a tire, I thought you were going to say, "Oh well, we checked there, and we checked the tread depths on the tires, and we found like, three out of the four corners so, were." Right, come on, we're not always that bad, John. We're not always that bad. Just, just let me put the tire on first before I give you the points, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So you can say that it was actually on the car. And that, yeah. that is, do you know what? That's a good reminder to check your tire tread depths. So. Oh, listen uh, I know I know this is a fun thing but I've been bleating on about that on our uh, social media um, for Police Scotland you know to get ready for winter campaign I'm not turning this into an advert but please just check your car make sure it's ready yeah. some of the simple and basic checks that you can right, do so tell us 
what are the simple basic checks? But there might be people listening to this who don't know what those simple basic mm-hmm. checks are. Tell us. Sorry, just before, I, uh, just for the camera. Oh, oh, oh lovely picture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. And it was we'll a Volvo, we'll, we'll share that so the, the, the listeners <laughs> can have a real look at yeah, that's cool. and, and see what they think. Oh, so, yeah, right, so get yeah. so get ready for winter campaign. What, what do you recommend people do? Particularly since it's cold it, at the moment. Nice and easy, get your powder checks, your, your power checks, uh, make sure that your, your vehicle's actually going to have power, the battery's actually doing what it should do when you're starting your car in the morning, it's actually starting properly, it's not taking ages to, ages to chuck over, that's that's the first thing, because the last thing you need is to stall somewhere, mm-hmm. be in the middle of the road and not be able to start your car again. Mm-hmm. Uh, check your tyres, nice and simple, Just um, and I've done a video for Police Scotland on that where you check the tread depth, there's bumps in the tyre that you can use, tread wear indicators, you can use a 20 pence piece, there's lots of videos online for it. Uh, washer fluid make sure you get something in there that can actually clear your windscreen when you're driving because of the amount of grit and stuff that's yeah. put down with uh, with all those wonderful gritters with their, their wonderful names thank you very much oh not those again <laughs> oh aren't they fantastic <laughs> um, and uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I seen one today yesterday I think it was uh, the still game one it was Jack Jack and Victor Jack Jack Jarvis the squire Jack Jarvis Ice Squire I think it was <laughs> it was yeah, something like that yeah. cringe absolutely oh. it is cringe <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, um, that makes sure you've got enough fuel in your car. You know, it's a basic one, but don't start driving about, especially when you've got the, the, the petrol light or the fuel light on, especially with the, the severe weather warning that we've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always ask you just to carry a couple extra things in the car, just in case you do get stranded. There was a boost from the east a couple of years back where people ended up getting stuck on the motorways. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were stuck for a couple of hours before they started getting moving. Some people ended up abandoning their cars, but you know, blankets, uh, you know. A mobile phone make sure it's charged up some biscuits or something in there just so you can snack some water in the boot of the car just in case you need it as well it's it's easy for me to say i call these things basics but i fully appreciate it not everybody knows these checks which is why again the driving test was changed to do the whole show me tell me things to get people to check these things in their car yeah what what, what terrific advice actually but the thing is that duncan um you up north i come from i come from up north these things are second nature they're kind of drummed into us by our parents because of the the the, the colder climate that you get up there and it's far more likely that you get like much higher accumulations of snow now Duncan I'm not sure if it's the same with your family but uh, I always remember a shovel or a you know uh, kind of rolling around in the back throughout the winter yeah. months uh, for, and there were blankets and other provisions because yeah you could get stuck it was it was really common yeah we always had a little bit of a little bit of snow a little bit of uh, salt just to salt things out if, if we ever got stuck we things like mm-hmm. that well, there you Always go. just in case. I don't know if our winters are are, are getting are getting worse down here in the central belt, but um, you know we certainly have had some bad ones. And as Nick says, people people got very badly stuck. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you can. I think the problem, the, the sort of the way the climate's been the last few years is that we have we have less frequent snow events. You know, so like if you go back to the fifties, the sixties, even the seventies and in the eighties, mm. you would get snow in December, January, February, yeah, every year. Now, maybe it would snow in the morning guys would go out driving that no problem everybody's happy comfortable now they tend to be fewer and far between but when they do come they are more extreme mm. you know so you're getting much like beast from the east you're getting way oh, yes. more snow in yeah. one go and that's a shock to people who've only been driving for a few years yeah. never experienced it before people now the extent of winter for most drivers now is scraping the windscreen a few mornings every winter mm. and that's basically about it you know yeah. Um, it's more about wet weather and, and windy weather I, do, I, I will say it is true like you know how they always say oh these 
these southern softies they mm -hmm. can't deal with the snow yeah. you know I, I do find that up north people just get on with it yeah. is what I found sorry to say that guys but there you go yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair enough. No, I, th I, th I think people definitely become complacent to it exactly as Stuart says um, people aren't used to it yeah. they, they think it's not going to happen and then that's it, it. they drive down they're, they're stuck in the MAT and, and there's the usual hot spots across the network as well I mean when, when we look at some of our old books in the archive it's mm. always warning you about snow potential snow and fog events Hart Hill in the M8 uh, M74 run about uh, uh, Douglas and, and, yeah. and Elvin Foot, uh, parts of the yeah, M77 higher level, A77, A9, places like that. Now, when you look at the books, the atlases now, these things are just not mentioned either, you know, so there is no real highlight of these areas, you know, to folk no, like with the old no. AA handbooks and stuff like that that you used yeah. to get, you know. Maybe we should be bringing some of that back. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Education. It's an is, idea is for a, a book thing. we could sell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right, Nick, we've got, well, actually, we've got a few highway code related questions that I've come up with that I'm going to throw at you but before oh. that John asked you about your least favourite parts of the uh, of the road network I think we should ask you about what your favourite parts are so Glasgow Motorway System first any favourite bits? Yeah, the gantries. Oh, nice. Oh, yep. Yep. you saying that you've yep. just, you're just you're just been faced in a way. I think we'll be replacing no. some of the senior staff in this archive with Nick. <laughs> uh, right, no, I've said say. that before. That mm -hmm. that was my reason for getting into the archive uh, to begin with, the, the Glasgow Motorway Archive. Yeah. I was trying to figure out how the gantries or why the gantries were different in Glasgow versus everywhere else, yeah, well. because I thought they conveyed a substantially more information mm -hmm. in a, a, a shorter space or a, yeah. a lesser space, but it was still relevant That's versus. Thank you. Know. Straight from the mouth of Rhodes Police and Sergeant to any of the naysayers who are listening to this podcast and beyond, please take note of that. Yep. That's from a professional. And <laughs> it's also an advert for our uh, yeah. podcast we just it done is. recently. Exactly. Last podcast was in Glasgow. What was the last podcast? Well, it was the last it, one. It was yeah. Glasgow Gantries. Yeah. Episode 9, 2022. Listen back to that yeah, if mm. you haven't already. All right. So that was the, that was the motorway feature. What about, what about Scottish Roads in general? Any, any great. Highlights for you? Uh, Queensferry Crossing. Oh, oh wow. Oh, 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 wow. Right, right, sorry, you've just been sacked right, no, again. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. <laughs> it's a good looking bridge. Is that why? Do you uh, like the way it looks, or are you uh, kind of are you in awe of its function? Uh, no, I like the way it looks. I've only driven over it a couple of times, and each time it was uh, slow. Yes, uh, oh, right on a Friday. Uh, but no, it is. I like the way it looks. There's a. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, there's a there's a wee there's a, a cafe near to the three bridges where you can sit down and you get an absolutely tremendous view right, the viewing just platform. over the water and yeah. and it's the three bridges all at once and I think that just sets the other two off uh, yeah. perfectly. It, yep. it looks lovely. It does. It, it, it is a spellbinding view. I, I was very lucky to work there, as, as some people know. Uh, Queensferry Crossing, Fanny. Who the guest it? Uh, I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself for that one. Any other highlights for Rhodes oh, and Scotland? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like, that like a bit like a loaded again. question. Yeah. yeah. De def definitely the gantries from Glasgow. <laughs> definitely the gantries right, from Glasgow. Right, okay, fair enough. Point made, point okay, made. Okay. Um, right, okay, what else did we have on our list, John? We need to make sure we've asked. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Have you got Le a belter? Least favourite junction. That doesn't need to be motorway. That could be any junction, anywhere. Uh, You're not allowed no, to say no, Sheriff Hall because everybody says that. No, I, like, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm going to stick to the Glasgow ones because that's that's my bread and butter. Yeah, and that's yeah. what I know. Okay. And I've, I've said this before. However... Not so much the least favourite junction, the fact that they're, uh, well, it is, it's the off-ramp from the M8 at uh, junction, tw where am I going, 13, onto Proven, right. Proven Interchange, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. westbound. 
where you come down to that T-junction. Oh, that's awful. The Proven yeah. Road. Yeah, I think that's something yeah. Police Scotland should um, be raising with Glasgow City Council and saying we need a wee improvement <laughs> in there. Turning right there, Nick. I, in same. fact, I, I, I could gripe about this, but you go down there and you turn right um, to go mm-hmm. to Proven Road and the, the, you know, the cars come around there quickly. We, we, we could yeah, consider yeah. an archive fundraising event you know, online. Go fund me. <laughs> we could pay for that in your roundabout. Yeah. It's, just a, it's a mini <laughs> roundabout. That's all Do you think we needed. would get many donations if we asked? <laughs> Absolutely no graffiti in a roundabout in the road, please. It has to be proper. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's a good one. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the, the sort of a list of main, main questions, questions we had. But I thought we, there, there is a, there is a, a listener question that, that come in that came in. Um, do you want to do that first, and then we'll maybe yeah. do a couple of highway code related questions, Nick? Just just for the, the sake of educating people, it's things that annoy me in the Glasgow network in particular, right. and and I thought mm-hmm. we would ask you just to get clarity sure. on, on the way things are supposed to be. But go with this listener question first. Oh, okay. So Nick, I think this one's obviously at you, but someone on Twitter, um, it's uh, Callum Moffat, has asked this one here, and um, it amused me quite a bit. And, and we should say that if, if this gentleman gets arrested for the, for the question, <laughs> we, we had nothing to do with passing on the information. Yes. At all. Oh no. Sorry, what is sorry that? for uh, saying your name, Callum, but let's please get the credit. It's a good question. So Callum asks, do traffic police really play snooker when on patrol? And he means, this is, uh, is this the reason for the large number of red cars? That I see stopped, black being second most common to see stopped. Uh, I suppose now think about so he's obviously talking about like you know not literally playing snooker, but just basically pulling over and stopping cars based on the colour. Is this Does true? Callum drive a red or black car? Yeah, I guess he must. I, guess he must. <laughs> I don't know. What's, what, what's his red? <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, he's no. not giving it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think that's that's an urban myth. Certainly, I don't know how to play snooker, so I'd oh. be stumped to play in that I, game I, anyway. I've never heard that before. That was a new one for no, me. No, I never heard yeah. it, but it's yeah. it's novel, and and it sounds like you could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, to, yeah. an, urban, an urban legend doesn't happen. Mm. I know. So, what would happen if we stopped a white car? I mean, we would, we would oh, deduct that, points. Yeah. Well, oh, well, that's um, what well, the rules are. That's a foul. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a four points to the listen, other player. Listen, you're, you're, get, you're getting a warning today. You know, you got a white car on, on you go. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would fly, would it? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, <laughs> good try. No, de- good try, definitely an urban legend. I have heard of that before, but it's definitely an urban legend. It's, it's not something we would do. Oh. Fair enough. <laughs> we, now, we did have another one, right? Um, and I'm sorry to the, the chap that asked, but I, I didn't managed to copy the name across it was on facebook mm-hmm. and, and the, the chap had an interest in uh like drug screening that, that is, has obviously developed over the last few years and is now you know commonly carried out by you guys at the side of the road obviously if you suspect that a person might be under the influence of something and and i know you do wipes for like uh, cannabis and, and cocaine uh, as part of the system you use this chap asked a genuine question about why other drugs aren't screened for you know is the technology just not there for it or is there a reason why others have been specifically excluded i don't know if you've got an answer for that yeah uh, home office home office type approval uh, right. is the reason the the only drug wipes that we're allowed to use have to be approved by the home office right. the home office have only approved us to use the drug wipe that allows us to test for two drugs roadside cannabis uh-huh. and cocaine Interesting. and that's okay. that um, now just uh, when you were talking about drinking drug drive limits there, um, mm-hmm. the, the drug wipe is to see if there's a, a level of the drugs in their system above a legal limit. So there's a legal limit of the, of cannabis or cocaine that you can have in your system. And if you go above it, that's what the drug wipe indicates to us, that you are above that legal limit. Right. That doesn't mean that you can still drive with these drugs in your system because we also have different legislation which allows us to deal with people who are unfit through drinker drugs. Yeah. So does that, that doesn't have to be anything. So it means that you're, you're still within a legal parameter or an amount that you've had but 
you, you're no state to drive, so to speak. Yeah, right. I, I, an easy way, an easy way to describe that for most folk would be there's there's certain types of cough medicine right. uh, on the market that contain a, a, a drowsy effect, essentially, or some type of drug that will calm folk down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cough medicine's legal. You can buy it. You can get it over the counter, I believe, possibly with a prescription. Mm-hmm. And if you take it uh, within what you're meant to, it's fine. There's no issues. But if you down a hole or swig a whole bottle of that, mm-hmm. and you're not fit to drive, technically you haven't taken any illicit substances. Mm-hmm but you're still not, not fit, fit to drive, to which is where the, the unfit um, to drive comes in. So just because we only test roadside for those two drugs doesn't mean that we cannot deal with people under the influence of other substances. Okay, that was John Smith on, on Facebook, incidentally. And we actually <laughs> we have another one uh, from Facebook as well. John, do you want to ask okay. that one? Okay, yeah, we've got one here that's come through from uh, Craig Pride on Facebook. Craig asks... Uh, uh, are there any roads in Scotland that you feel are dangerous because of the design and need improved? Uh, dangerous because of the design? I wouldn't say so. Uh, given the amount of road engineering, which you guys will have a lot more experience in than me, but given the amount of road engineering that goes into the roads before they're even built mm-hmm. to plan for these things. I mean, the, the, the Glasgow uh, motorway network itself, that was designed, I think, for a, a 70 limit, or the majority of the bends were designed for 70s, if I recall correctly. The inner um, ring road was always 50. Um, other uh, parts of the system were designed for 70, but have restrictions. Up at, on uh, yeah, sorry, that's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they're generally designed for a higher rated speed than what they're actually travelling at. So yeah. I wouldn't say there's any roads that's purposely designed dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ha- have there been changes by local authorities over the years to road markings that make roads more confusing? Mm-hmm. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, but <laughs> nothing that I would, yeah. not, <laughs> not, nothing that I'm going to single out. Um, but yeah, no, certainly not the design. Um, maybe the, the amendments to it uh, as time has went on, yeah. but not the design now. Okay. okay. Right, a couple of uh, highway code related questions for you then. Uh, thinking about driver behaviour on the. the the motorway system in general in Glasgow that you mentioned earlier, middle lane hoggers, right? Mm-hmm. Someone driving down the middle of the M8 and in the evening when it's quiet, sitting in the middle lane. Now, the highway code would say return to left after overtaking. What position would, would you guys take on someone who was sitting in the middle lane unnecessarily on a, on a quiet section of motorway? Everything is taken on its, uh, on its own merits. Right. So, so, so that's my get out of jail free card for answering that one okay, right. uh, and there's, there's, there's various ways that we can deal with it um, ultimately it's a driver education issue yeah. you know we, we need to educate drivers to move into the left because although th- you've not mentioned what speed they're travelling at in the middle lane I would assume that they are travelling at the speed the legal limit speed you know, the, yeah. The, yeah. The, the legal speed limit so they're not really impeding traffic by sitting in the middle yeah. lane and going under the speed yeah. limit in that case you know we'd maybe flash them or move in front of them and put a matrix board sign up the back to say move to the left yeah. so that they know to move back into the left lane and that's a good bit of driver improvement okay. uh, and driver education if however we've got somebody just sitting in the middle lane you know, driving at 30 miles an hour forcing vehicles to undertake causing other vehicles to to perform manoeuvres to get round them, then that's something we'd really need to stop and actually have a chat with the driver about and, and, and see where we go from there to see if there's a reason for them driving yeah. uh, so so poorly. That was going to be the second part of my question, actually, that in, in the scenario where it is, say, a bit busier um, and, and you've got someone just sitting out there in the middle lane and you've got people in, in the near side lane that are actually travelling faster than them and are conducting, say, undertaking manoeuvres. Firstly, mm-hmm. then, so you, you've kind of answered about the person in the middle lane. Would, would there be a potential penalty for the person in lane one now, now, now let me be clear on this let me be right. clear on this 
the person travelling in lane 1 has been in lane 1 the entire time and are proceeding ahead. There's a car un sitting in the middle lane going slower than other traffic. The car in lane 1 passes that vehicle on the near side. So they, they undertake it and they continue ahead. Who's at fault? Stuart Baird, QC, asking <laughs> <laughs> uh, Again, everything's taken in its own merits. Right. So a car doing that, I would be more inclined to speak with a car in the middle lane yeah. to find out why they're doing it. Yeah. However, you're talking about a three-lane section of road. Yeah. It's not ideal, but should they be pulling out and moving into lane three to perform their overtaking manoeuvre before going back into lane one? Because that's what the highway code says. Yeah. It's not really practical for them to do it, and I understand why people would stay in lane one. Mm -hmm. My main concern would be the driver in lane two. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if it transpires that the driver in lane one was travelling above the speed limit or was doing something else, then you would, would have a chat with them as well. Okay, interesting. Similar question, but just slightly different. We are driving on a three-lane motorway, and lane one is going to drop off to a junction and in the last mile mile and a half the markings in lane one change to one and ones so the small dashed lines rather than the, the normal road markings as, as you would see yeah and mm -hmm. traffic in lanes two and three as it were as it were and it was going to become lane one and two that's moving at a fairly slow pace you're in lane one it's dropping off to the junction you've got a clear road ahead the motorway speed limit is 70. can you undertake traffic in that scenario within that lane that's dropping off it's a good perfect one. example of this one not the 70 but if we take it to a 50 and put it in the Kingston Bridge mm -hmm. heading what is northbound in the Kingston Bridge but is really eastbound altogether yeah. mm -hmm. that's your three lane section there your lane one's a lane drop going into town uh -huh. yeah. lanes two and three continue on to the M8 under the Charing Cross underpass there's no issues if you're travelling at especially peak time traffic not, not travelling at speed limit because you need to take other, other drivers and other traffic into consideration mm -hmm. but there's nothing wrong with you continuing on especially for a lane drop okay. yeah I, under, I understand that and I, one of the things about undertake just d doing that what I've always thought is drivers on motorways don't necessarily expect you to pass them on the left yeah so if if, if this maneuver happens through either, you know deliberate or through circumstance you'd be really careful because mm -hmm. people might not see you as easily as you would if you were passing you know on the on their um on their offside yeah yeah. yeah, completely. Yeah, that's yeah. my take. Uh -huh. mm. Okay, um, I, I yeah, think grilled it, Nick to death. Yeah, I know. No, sorry, I thought that was yeah, that's almost like courts. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But they were really, really good questions. <laughs> but th these are the sorts of questions that people, people just people would just ask. people, just normal drivers who who <laughs> who don't get involved with the, with the law because they do tend you know behave themselves. Yeah, and a lot of people don't necessarily understand the rules around that no. sort of thing and it is a common thing you see in the Glasgow system the one about the junction is one a, a conversation I had with somebody recently about you know uh, is it okay if I if I, if I if I go faster and pass that traffic you know uh, that's continued heading the motorway you know if I'm leaving well the, the answer there is well yes yeah. you've, you've already moved over um, okay next one people who dump litter at the window oh. of their vehicle Special place in that hell. That really special place in I hell. Mean. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There is. I mean, that's that is against the law. Now that's my understanding. It is an offence. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is correct. Yep. Is it an offence? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. I hope people take note of that. I assume but people are so blatant <laughs> about it. It's a, it's a slip road. Go to any slip road in the bottom of the slip road. Uh, and the litter's the worst, especially when they're stopped at lights yeah. and things. And it seems to be in a UK context, Scotland seems to be particularly bad for mm. this. 
I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why that is. There's obviously something. It's horrible when you see it dri- driving past as well, and it's, it's all your fast food container that you've got just piling up outside the road. It's just I don't understand why people are that lazy. I don't. It's it's a it's shame just, up in the up in the Highlands in these nice rural areas, and you see all this colourful plastic lying around. It's it's sad to see. Is it a problem up in Inverness as well, Duncan? It is indeed. Unfortunately, it does happen. You do see it colour getting stuck in all these bushes at the side of the road. All this litter. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. You see it in the yeah in the trees and everything, and it's you think, oh, well, we can just go pick it up. But if it's on a motorway slip road, you need to shut the slip road or put traffic management on to to, to safely pick that litter. So I was just going to say, I don't think people realise how dangerous it is for people just to be walking on a motorway to pick that litter up. Exactly as you say, you know, you need TROs, you need uh, traffic regulation or temporary traffic regulation orders. You need to close lanes so that somebody can walk along the side of a motorway to pick this litter up. Mm. You can't just walk on as it is. It's a big undertaking to try and pick this stuff up. It's yeah. yeah, it's not fair. Just a couple more, Nick. Uh, first, first one. <laughs> uh, one you and I have spoken about many times before, but another one I think we should drive home is obviously the Red X. If the Red X oh. is displaying above the lane that you're driving in, you are committing an offence, and you should not be yes. in that lane. Um, mm. That is one I see commonly, frequently yeah. on the M8 at night in roadworks, yeah. and that really infuriates me. Uh, and drivers have been dealt with and will continue to be dealt with for doing that. Ultimately, the red X—it's the same as going through a red light. Yeah, I've and, always and people don't realise that. I've always seen it that way from yeah. day one. Yeah. I, I don't know why that—that's mm-hmm. that's confusing. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's exact in legislation. It's it's the same bit of legislation it deals with. It's section thirty six yeah. of the Road Traffic Act nineteen eighty eight for proceeding under a red X. I mean, I'm not excusing the people who do this because I think it's abhorrent because it's my colleagues who are working on yeah. the road and stuff. But I think because people see, especially on the Glasgow gantries, it's an it's an advisory speed limit. Yeah. So any other mm-hmm. signal telling me not to go here or whatever, oh, that must be advisory as well, you know. I, I don't know if that's what, what people think, but they're wrong. So um, Red yeah. X is, uh, yeah, don't pass under a Red X. No, as, and the worst part about it is, because the Glasgow network, the way it's set up, there's lots of gantries. Mm. So there's lots of opportunities for Red Xs to go up prior to the actual lane closure. And the, the Red Xs need to go up, you know, in addition to the arrows to tell people to move. We've had it before where people have been under three gantries with Red Xs. That's nine points. Yeah. If they go to court for it, Good. Yeah. you know, because it's individual offences. It's each one's. We, we wouldn't deal with that that way. We would deal with it differently. But technically, it's three different red light offences. Yeah. It's three yeah. different red X offences. You know, you're already in three points. You can lose your license. Yeah. Mm. Okay. You know, and it's there for a reason because it is serious. Yeah. But technology, if we could have, and I know people hate speed cameras, but if we could have uh, red X cameras, mm. um, I think that would make it a lot safer for the road workers. Yeah. Uh, especially on the. No, I, the I, I agree with that one. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, okay, the last couple relate to, to sort of a vehicle lighting and the like. Um, modern cars, uh, the dashboard lights up when you get in. Mm-hmm. And the number of people you see who just do not have their headlights on. Okay, not all, not all cars have automatic headlights. <laughs> the number of vehicles you see driving about at night in the dark with no lights on. Mm. And Especially in a lit area yeah, because yeah, they don't yeah. feel... Yeah. Yeah. What would your what would your take be on that? Is that frowned upon? The the amount of people that I've spoken to without a light on, they say, oh, I've got automatic headlights, and no, you don't. It's just because your dash lights up and you've got daylight burning yeah. lights. They're not automatic headlights. You need to switch them on. Quick and easy way I tell people to make sure that the lights are actually on when they're driving. Have a look at your, your radio or your your heater controls. Yeah. If they aren't lit up, you don't have lights on. Yeah. That's a good. One. That's it. Yeah. There, yeah. There, there, there is an actual yeah. there is an actual light on the dash. It's a, it's a small green light symbol with the, the red lights coming off it. But trying to get people to look at that, it's, it's easier just to say, "I'm look at your radio, look at your heater, see if you can see that your lights are on." Yeah. Okay. Uh, kind of related to that, mm-hmm. front fog lights. 
Mm-hmm. When should they be used? It's a bug and seriously, reduced visibility. Not because it looks cool. Not because you <laughs> think you want to do it. And not because somebody told you you should put it on because it might rain in three weeks' time. Yeah, I see the stupid <laughs> bug lights on. I mean, well, I don't know what yeah. um, visibility it is, but it has to be an absolute pea super for me to even consider popping the, popping yeah. that on. And they don't they don't help you see, especially the, re- the obviously the rear one doesn't. It's for for you to be seen, isn't it? The yeah, fog lights. That's right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's, it's, gen- it's generally about if, if visibility is less than 100 metres so mm-hmm. we normally say that if you can't see uh, the next street lamp for fog yeah. then maybe put them on okay, okay. interesting mm-hmm. yeah good one we'll note that yeah listen <laughs> Nick thank you it's been terrific so much a marathon of questions yep. there um, <laughs> no listen not you know I'm always happy to answer these questions and I keep on saying to folk it's not nice to approach the police I fully, I fully appreciate that and you're not yeah. going to know that it's me I know that but I would like to thank any um, officer that works uh, for Police Scotland in relation to road policing if you come up and ask them a question roadside they'll take the time to answer it for you so yeah. we are approachable I know I know we're seen as uh, the bad guys but yeah. we are approachable come, come and chat with us come to the open days whenever you have them if we can get a police presence down to it we'll go to it as well yeah. you know we bring our, our cars up to, to open days at police stations and let people climb about the cars and have a look inside and see the technology in the kit that we use mm-hmm. we, we we don't hide anything uh, from folk we'd much prefer you to, to see what's actually happening and explain it to you nice one yeah, yeah. very okay. good thank great. you nick that was very appreciated mm-hmm. right then mr hassel yep i think we're i think that this this, this part of the podcast uh, and discussion has been a long time coming right. uh and i'll, I'll explain why uh-huh. um now it's directed at all of us here stuart uh, Duncan, yep. uh, yes. Nick. I mean, we all drive cars, right? I mean, we do, do we do it for work? Um, and you know, we, we we do it in our in our spare time. And um, I know it's not a driving podcast, as no. I said earlier, but it does it has an aspect about roads. Um, but cars aren't the only users of roads. Mm-hmm. We have buses, and we have HGVs, and we have cyclists, and and and, and pedestrians as well. Yeah. Um, there are other methods of travel um, as, as I've mentioned and I wanted to get a chat with you guys about this because we are constantly being asked to change modes of travel and um, it's seen in some ways um, that, that the car is the least sustainable and that we should look at public transport or we should look at active active travel um, so uh, or sustainable travel as we've gone along um, now as I've said, we all drive, and I'm probably safe to assume that our main mode of travel between all of us is, is kind of a car. What are our barriers right now to kind of changing to cycling to work? Um, you know, anything, and, and there's no wrong answer, I suppose. Um, uh, I'll have to look at this one. Right. I am lucky enough, I, I used to cycle, or used to, when I can, I try and cycle into work. It's been a while since I've done it. Um, some of the reasons for that include the climate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, because what you know, if you want to get to a, a place of work and don't, don't want to shower before you get back out again, you don't want to be sweating when you get there. So you really need to have a a decent climate where it's it's cool enough but not warm enough. And mm. in Scotland, really, we're we're sort of extreme sometimes. We're too cold or or we're too warm. Mm. Um, likewise, facilities for people when they actually get to work, like showers. I, yeah. I can get a shower when I get to work, so it doesn't bother me. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of people that can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, access to, to the cycles as well you know, they're not cheap now it used to be cyclists were, were cheap things but now they're, they're a lot more expensive yeah, than I mean, used to be a if good you road bike can cost as much as a, as a cheap car you know yeah. uh, thousands, thousands of pounds uh, or something like yeah. that 
And again, but we're getting back onto the infrastructure again. You know, I know a lot of change was made during COVID for having cycle lanes and yeah. the, the Glasgow City Council, the, the projects, the, the, what was it called up in Glasgow? The, it's the Avenues project. Oh, the, the uh, Avenues. Avenues projects, that's the one, yeah. Um, the, so there's been a lot of changes uh, that have came about for it, trying to make it better and safer mm. for people to cycle to work. But again, those aren't the most direct routes that people take. Yeah. Uh, they've they've just kind of um, been been schemes in certain areas that don't necessarily connect up to the rest. Okay, yeah. um, and then you've you've got bus travel, uh, which is brilliant. Except unless you're on the same schedule as the bus or the same timetable as the bus, you're going to get into work half an hour before it or half an hour after it. Mm. You might have to make a change, which turns a a, a forty minute drive for you into a, a two hour bus journey. Yeah, no, so. I, I, exactly. Then um, these are all really good points. Uh, to be honest with you, um, Duncan. You, I'll keep mentioning you. You stay up in Inverness like this is some very strange thing. Uh, yeah, but um, you, you drive. I know, I know you do. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts on on changing from driving to using public transport or using uh, active travel to get to your place or work or, or to get about? I think there's there's a there's a few things. One of them is the I suppose the human mindset asset of it is that. I took the car to go to work yesterday. I'll do it again today. I'll do it again tomorrow because it was what I did the day the day before. It's just a habit. Yeah, it's just a habit thing. Um, another thing I suppose is the the my car is on PCP finance, so I'm paying so much a month to keep it. Uh, why should I pay so much a month and then only use it once or twice a week when I'm paying so much money? I mean, I know a bike is cheaper and it's well free to use. But you know, I'm paying all this money for a car. I don't want it to just sit there. So there's that there's that aspect of it as well. I suppose also the the other discussion to have is I stay up in the Highlands, and there are some areas of the Highlands that the car is your only option. Because if you live out along a, a winding B road, ten miles away from somewhere, your car the car is the only option. The buses aren't going to cover everywhere. You know, the trains aren't certainly going to cover everywhere. Not in the Highlands, certainly. So the, your car is your only option. So sometimes you are stuck with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna hone in on something you've said, Duncan, because it's resonated with me. You mentioned about PCP uh, and finance. We we are we are generation finance as, in in terms of, of where we are with with cars. Everybody, most people get cars and finance. Uh, and as you say, we're we're locked into these three, four, five year deals where we're paying. 200 300 whatever uh per month for a car and then on top of that you're you know if you wanted to then take the train or the bus your fuel to... and your tax and insurance yeah, yeah exactly and then you'd have to pay for his own card or a yeah. rail pass or these bus tickets while the car then only sits there and gets maybe used at the weekend we, right now with with the amount of money that people have um i think you know i'm not just going to kill the discussion there but uh, i do think that's one of the biggest barriers certainly for me and I live in an area where public transport is, is far more better provided than rural areas. Um, it's one of the things, what, why? Why would, I, why would I pay extra when I've, I'm already kind of paying for a car? Um, Nick, yeah. you mentioned about the weather <laughs> with these things. Um, I, I, I agree that we don't perhaps have the, the best climate for it. We're always trying to copy um, some models that they use on the continent. Uh, but again, they have a, have a different climate you know, uh, in these things. And I think also with that, it's also a culture 
maybe a slight cultural kind of change that, that we, we we're still to catch up with that that kind of thing yeah no um, and like i said i'm lucky when i cycle to work i've got showers available to me so yeah. I, I can change when i get there and i like to cycle into work it's 10 miles it's generally um, urban roads all the way in um but yeah there's a lot of folk that don't have that and it, mm. it seems like i've been quite negative on cycling i'm not i i enjoy cycling i would promote cycling i, I think it's, it's a healthy thing to do yeah okay um it's just it's you, you heard you heard it here on yeah. the roadscast promoting <laughs> cycling oh, that's good honestly queen's for the cross and cycling i've never been invited back again <laughs> that's what the broad road bridge is for um uh, glasgow motorway signs <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, one of, one of the, the, the things um, mentioned as well, I don't know which one of you guys mentioned, I think it was you, Nick, and you said about, you know, if you're going somewhere in the car and it only takes you half an hour, but to take the buses or the trains, it would take double that time. Yeah. Uh, it, these things is, is I am going to make take quite a, uh, a hot take here and just be like, well, the car is king because it gets you door to door. You know, you know, you know what I mean, and it, it's it's one of the, the hardest things to get people to change from these sorts of things is because it's so blooming convenient. Uh, it's out there in the drive; you get straight into it. It's nice; you can get it nice and warm. You can put your things in it. You can go straight to where you're, you're going to. But it's a really hard sell to get people away from that. So for for that reason, guys, I don't know who wants to chime in here. Do, do we think we're we're onto plums trying to get people to change? Is it maybe something that we're just going to have to accept that we're going to have private vehicle travel forever? Yeah, it's a different mode of transport when you're driving you're concentrating on driving and you can't do anything else if you're getting the bus or you're getting the train you have some free time whether okay. people want to devote that to work so that they can like get a head, head start for the rest of the day or whether they want to devote that to doing something else that they would normally do in the house sitting with the paper catch up on the news it's something that you generally you shouldn't be doing when you're driving yeah. the key the key to the whole thing is reliability okay. uh, of, yeah. the, of the alternative service mm. and ultimately you would think about rail Rail actually for the for for the suburban areas around Glasgow, second largest uh, suburban rail network in Britain after London. Um, you know, th there is clearly a, a network there, mm -hmm. right? Does it meet the needs of all the people who are going to use that? Not necessarily. Yeah. The people so, might be like, well, I I would use a train, but it doesn't yeah. stop here. The pricing on trains is a barrier for a lot of people. Yeah, because it can be quite expensive. It's an expensive way to travel. Mm -hmm. Um. Recently, obviously, with the industrial action things, its reliability has dropped off quite considerably as well. That's what I, what I, yeah, um, yeah. On the bus network, the in, our interurban bus services are actually pretty good. So thinking mm. like the 900 from Glasgow to Edinburgh, the CityLink service, the Stagecoach Express services that go down to Dumfries, Moffat, Ayrshire. You found Fife. a love for this because yeah, yeah. you found this actually useful. Yes. At getting in and it, and, it, yep. and it seemed to be reasonably quick. Yeah, and reasonably cheap. Yeah. Very reliable. Where we fall down, I think, is with the provision of our local service buses. Right, you know, I getting see. out of the schemes, getting out of the, the suburbs, getting into yes. the, the main yes, population yeah. centres is, is something where we've struggled. And you know what? Frankly, it's something that has struggled since we deregulated the buses in the 80s. Mm. Um, because buses were, in the old days, buses run as a monopoly uh, owned by a state-owned company uh, for the benefit of passengers. But of course, when you change that to a profit-making model... They're not going to run routes on no, making, making money. I think, Duncan, you mentioned about, like... you. <laughs> buses not going everywhere where where you are is this is what's the provision of kind of local routes like Stuart was talking about near you um they can be i don't use them because i stay quite close to the city center so i'm quite lucky and um, i know that they're a bit of a hot topic and they are constantly looking at them and reviewing them i know that at the moment they're not great there are some gaps where 
you know it doesn't cross over so you can't go from here to here to here you have to kind of juggle about so it is it is an area for improvement definitely mm. yeah thinking about me in north lanarkshire right yeah. thinking about you in west lothian mm-hmm. we we live in towns that are quite big based on the population they have yeah however we live in developments that have sprung up in mm. the last 20 years yeah right and, yeah or even yeah. more recent than that yeah. that are in areas in locations that have been part of redevelopment or other regeneration or whatever and they are not necessarily beside the traditional main routes for service buses. Hmm. And some of the routes that service buses are using haven't changed much since the 1960s. Yeah. Right? And when I'm thinking about where I am in Motherwell, for example, huge town, huge population, if I wanted to get the bus after 7 o'clock at night, it would be a complete nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Even for me to get into a train station, Hmm. can be a nightmare so at night if i'm going to go anywhere it's so much easier for me to get the car a car is involved yeah. at least yeah yeah i mean yeah. once i get to the train station my options right. are great you know i can get services from motherwell four an hour kerfin mm. one an hour you but know you the, need the, something to link you from yeah, your house it's, to it's the, the Railway and station. you know the strathclyde region model which which worked well in the late 70s into the early 80s when strathclyde transport came in the a737 the southern end of the a737 could run about Kilbarkin. that was all going to be dual carriageway but what they did was they said, you know what? Let's build it a single carriageway after the last junction, right? Yeah. Let's build it a single carriageway. And what we'll do with the money we save in the construction, we'll put that into the bus service, and we will run shuttle buses from each of those local areas. Did they also the upgrade the railway line as yeah, well? Yeah, they did. That's right. Part of that. the, so, the, that w- so all these things all fed in. And mm. what they did was they had these these shuttle buses running to the train station and whatnot. So rather than encourage more people from Kilbark and Linwood Johnson onto that road, onto the M8, Hmm. They improved the public transport to encourage people to use the train and whatnot to get into town, and they had the feeder bus services to get there. Of course, once it was all deregulated, these services didn't make a profit. No, they, they there was a social benefit, chopped. but there wasn't a, no. there was no real revenue stream yeah. from it. Uh, so I, they were chopped. I, I can know? see how that's happened, though. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's that's one of these things. Um, one of the, the the catalysts for this, um, uh, in terms of uh, the the powers that be who are trying to encourage us to change, is being the environmental impact mm-hmm. of vehicles um electric cars big thing now loads of people buying loads of these because we've had a fuel crisis we've seen the prices go up there's a there's a there's a big market for these nick uh <laughs> you've taken the plunge you bought an electric car um uh, we've had a wee discussion about it before the podcast thoughts yep. on it uh, I, oh. I love it and this is and this is coming from a traffic cop okay um i bought a, a nissan leaf and it is honestly one of my favorite cars i've had Okay. Um, it's just this small, uh, brilliant, technologically advanced uh, car that you don't okay. have to change the gears in. You you press the pedal, you go. It's like driving a go kart. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's brilliant. And, and don't get me wrong, even the fuel prices started going all the way through the roof, mm-hmm. and uh, and I was popping into the free chargers in Glasgow you and topping up before I went home. And, uh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> you know, it was like a red dwarf with, with Crichton it was like smug mode activated driving a bit all chuffed um, well, yeah that, that's it. changed yeah. That, that's changed a bit now just with it, the cost of electricity going up um, yeah. the cost of fuel still staying up as well mm. uh, and with the winter months uh, creeping in I've noticed that the, the range that you get in the cars substantially reduced I so, sort of so that, that was is a thing well. um, I, I, mm-hmm. I was gonna I know we've got I haven't got huge amounts of time to discuss this, but one of the there's two things that people whinge about with electric cars, um, and it's range, or what was range anxiety, and also the time mm-hmm. it takes to charge. So this is a thing actually in the winter. Do they do they lose range just because the batteries don't operate as good in the cold? They, 
They do, yes, uh, and it's something that you, you don't think about, but you know that happens because it happens to your phone when it's freezing outside. Your phone generally runs down; um, it's battered off a lot quicker. Mm. The same thing happens with the cars. The very quickly, I know we've not got a lot of time. I think the official figures for the the, the model of Nissan Leaf that I have, which is a forty kilowatt hour, which is uh, the size of the battery pack in it, says I should do about one hundred and forty four miles, I think, okay. uh, per charge from one hundred to zero. You won't get that real world. I have achieved about one hundred and ten to one hundred and fifteen, um, and that's running it all the way down. And the last couple of mornings where it's uh, got until it's a minus three when I've been driving to and from work. I've got a range of about 85 to 90 miles. Yeah. So it has, it has substantially, it has reduced quite a bit. Um, but as long as you know what the journey you're making and the type of driving that you're doing, my range of anxiety is, is it's gone. When I first had it, I was panicking. I was stopping everywhere that I could to charge up. Now it's a, I'll wait till about 10% before I charge up. And because I'm, you've I'm got fine faith in it. I don't own an electric car. I've driven plenty of them to try them out, but it's all about planning your driving. Uh, with these things, if it's a long drive, yes. You have to. If it's a long realistically, drive, realistically, most people's commutes are uh, there, there and back, like uh, less than fifty miles. Um, and substantial. You, you've just mentioned in that car, because uh, we sound like Nissan Leaf salesman now, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's within the realm. I love it, honestly. <laughs> we 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 uh, we you, you plug them in on charge every night. So no, it's good to hear you've got some some good yeah. thoughts. That's the thing. I don't even need to plug it in and charge every night. I get three or four journeys to work before I have to think about charging it again. And if I plug it in at the house, I plug it in at the house. It's costing me I think about six pounds to to fully top up oh, okay. just now. Yeah. Um. So I'm six pounds for for four journeys to work. So I'm talking about eighty miles to hundred miles. I'm I'm getting for six pounds, which is nothing. Yeah. yeah I suppose nowadays. compared to uh, and that's me. Yeah. yeah, and that's me charging at the house. Um, Glasgow the, uh, City Council still has a lot of the free chargers to to, to promote the, the sustainability and to promote uh, electric vehicle ownership, where if I get onto a rapid charger, it takes me 30 minutes to go from 20 to 80%. Oh. Again, that's all I need. It's only half an hour for yeah. Well, there you go. You so heard it's it not long from somebody who actually owns one. Yeah, indeed. Well, the sleigh bells are saying that you're out of time, John. I'm afraid. <laughs> I've seen you readying them. I was like, <laughs> what's he going to do? Yeah. Well, Nick, I just yeah, that, you're you're right. We need to move on. But Nick, fantastic. Thanks for that. Um, I thought it was a, good, a worthwhile discussion yeah, having because yeah. it often comes up. Um, no, it's interesting. Interesting to talk about these yep. things. Yeah, it definitely. Is. Well, maybe the next time we talk about them, we'll all have electric cars. And uh, you know, after Nick was eulogising about his Nissan Leaf there. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay, okay, cool. Stuart, we got time for questions, right? Yeah, we've got a few questions. Okay, in. so these came from Facebook. Um, Long Wai Chan asks, um, "How would you sort out the M8, M74, M77 gridlock?" He's talking about kind of plantation area. Yeah. Um, Never made sense to me putting four motorways into into one place. Oh, okay. That's he says four motorways there, but yeah. I, I would say he's three. He's three. The fourth three, three. Maybe that was a typo from Chan. Um, Unless he's treating the secondary carriageways as... So secondary, yep. yeah, he could mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's obviously identified the problem there. But the, the, the next question does <clears> ask, <throat> um, it, which is basically linked to this, uh, Gary Davidson asks if if you two were in charge, yeah. God forbid, yeah. uh, and money were no object, um, what sort of schemes would you like to see in Scotland? Yeah. Um, right. Okay. Well, we'll handle them one at a time. So, right, so okay. one way trans question. It's a simple problem there. Really, it's the southbound M77 that's the bit the bottleneck. It's the weak link. Yep. Really, if you go back to the highway plan and you look at the original proposal, that would have been a four lane motorway in each direction. Mm-hmm. It would have been far easier traveling south from the M74 M8 merge with both lanes that joined from each becoming one single motorway. You wouldn't have had all that weaving of traffic and, and the issues there. 
that solves that problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the eastbound direction, I guess really the problem there is there's no inner ring road, so traffic that's looking to go east and north um, it's all getting channeled and funneled across the Kingston Bridge and through Charing Cross. It doesn't have any alternative. The M74 is perhaps not the best option for them because there's no way back to the north of the city unless you go via the M73. Mm-hmm. And for people in areas like Rob Royston and, and perhaps even Kirk and Tillich and the like, that's just not viable. So yeah. they're all sitting on the M8. So, yeah, no inner ring road, no East Link motorway. Exactly. So that's, that's the main reason. I think it there. would help. Now, now, hold on. We'll, we'll breathe a second because yeah. the next question did ask what, what would we do. Mm-hmm. I, I have always kind of said it would be a good idea it'd be favorable yeah. for these conditions is to is to convert the m74 into a dual four and dual three lane mode um, sorry the m77 Ooh. right into yep. a, a dual four and dual three lane yeah road that um, solves, certainly solves that. that problem in terms of what we would what, what would we build if we were if we if that'd we be had, one of them that'd be one of them the northern bypass of glasgow yep. the, the north link motorway the lomond motorway um, so you would be able to go from the M8 at Junction 11 all the way to Great Western Road at the Erskine Bridge, yeah. and on the south side we would definitely have the Paisley to to Motherwell to mm. Cumbernauld Motorway. We've spoken um, about these before, like yeah. the, uh, Nick. You live in the north, you know, in these areas and work in these areas. I mean, it's it, the north of town isn't well provided for. So I don't know if you'd agree a northern bypass would be good. Yeah, Nick. Nick, interested in, in what you think of the Bishop Briggs Relief Road and the various sections that have come out. I take it that's made a big difference for you know for like yourself in the north side of Glasgow. Yeah, heading certainly heading on the eight hundred three up towards like the Kirk and Tillock. Um, it's it's a nightmare just the amount of traffic lights and the, yeah. the amount of uh, junctions and stuff that you've got, and then you get to Bishop Briggs mm-hmm. Cross, and uh, it generally I know it's still a two lane, but there's always cars parked to the left, so it funnels into a one lane. Then there's a junction that takes you to the right, so you're down to one lane before you head all the way back up. Again, past Bishop Briggs before we get back to two lanes again. Yeah. Um, the the relief roads uh, I've driven on a couple of times, uh, and yeah, it's it's made such a difference because mm-hmm. it's a fifty mile per hour stretch of road when yeah. you're going down there, um, and that's only the is it the second stage you've completed that? Uh, there's a third up, stage past the, the prison. I think we're now. up to the fourth stage now. Is that, it yeah, there's one final stage that'll take it past Lomos Prison, up to the roundabout just north of the retail park for the road coming up from yes. Thorns. Mm. And that would essentially take you up towards Will Torrance and, and Kirk and Tillich yeah. at that point, and that that will cut a lot of traffic out from what used what is the main route. It, yeah, and it's basically built in the line of what was proposed as the Bishop Briggs Expressway back in mm. the sixties as well. Interestingly enough, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, um, what's old is new again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I think the other part of Gary Davison's question there was about yeah. t- new bridges and tunnels over the Clyde. Well, See, you know, we, I, I think we're getting this already. Yeah, we are, We've yeah. got Yoker. Yeah. Um, the Yoker Relief Road kind of and sort of not Yoker Relief but you know the Yoker Yoker Renfrew Bridge, Renfrew yeah. Bridge that's yeah. coming um, to be honest but um, Duncan <coughs> I don't know blank check any particular things you'd like to see remember we're, we're all over Scotland now you might have a different um, I went down to Fort William a little while ago and mm. some of the traffic going through the north of the town was pretty horrific so I'd like to see maybe something done there I know there's a bit of dual carriageway at Fort William there is. you can maybe extend something around there mm. Um Maybe on the A ninety six, maybe putting some bypasses. I know we're getting some dueling going on. Mm. Um, I'd like to see the Resyth bypass down at the That's the a good bridge one. And finally, see the A eight two three M utilised to its full potential. Exactly. I'd like to see that. I don't know I, what would happen at Masterson though, but that would be an interesting. I, I agree scheme. with that. I'm sure the people of Resyth would have, would agree yeah, with that indeed. one. No, some, yeah. some good ones there. We'll we'll, we'll have yeah. to squeeze in another mm-hmm. question. Yep. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, briefly, this has come from Gareth Paxton. Who says maybe not one for the podcast, but you know what, Gareth, we'll read it anyway. Yep. Um, but I'd <laughs> like Santa to bring a series of images of temporary termini as the roads in Scotland evolved. It tells a story <laughs> and paints a picture of the motorway network unfolding. Duncan, this one's for you. Um, 
Have we got some? I think we've, 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 got, we've got we plenty. Have plenty. We've got plenty, we've got plenty my goodness. He's sitting there <laughs> contemplating got, whether we have. <laughs> yeah, yes, Gareth. Uh, that's a simple, quick answer. Got, yes, there will be some few, next yes. year. Okay, what's next, John? Okay, fantastic. Um, the mm. next one we've got here is, uh, would you consider... Um, sorry, this comes from Tony Duffy. Yep. Uh, would you consider some videos where you both offer commentary as you take us along um, your favourite sections of our roads, share some history along with items from a scanned slide archive, images of maps to help illustrate and help in the motor? Yeah, stay, He's talking stay about, tuned. Stay yeah. tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. As, as an aside to that, I, I think that's a really good idea because the road networks are changing quite substantially yeah. and there's nothing better when you have a look on YouTube and you find some old videos that somebody's recorded of a, a camcorder mm. of what it used oh, to I be like that. before love something's that. changed. Yeah. Uh, I think that'd be a cracking idea. Now, we had a couple other questions from, from chaps asking about potholes and road surfacing and the like. Where John and I intend to do a podcast on road surfacing uh, and, and defects and that sort of thing in the new year. So mm. we're going to hold those questions over. Yeah, I think that's a good idea because we the, the, we'll just waffle on for ages about these, but th we haven't forgotten about them. Um, yeah. You've asked about potholes and other things. They're great questions. Um, yeah, yeah. Se separate podcast, I think. Yeah, most definitely. Um, time's going on. Uh, I know I'm 25 minutes in already. I, I hope people are still with us at this stage. Uh, uh, are you guys still with us, uh, <laughs> Nick? Duncan, are you still there? <laughs> right. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still, still, I'm still yeah. here. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so a few things from me on on the archive in general. Pe people often forget that the, the Scottish Roads Archive are behind all this and that's that's why we're here that's what we're doing we're getting it's, the news yeah i like and, it and it's the material from that archive that helps feed into these things and, okay. and drives all that and all the activity and stuff that we do so there's a few things i just wanted to update people on as we often do at the, the sort of at the end of the year the first thing i want to thank the sponsors first mm -hmm. eastford excavations thanks to andy and the team again yep. for the continued support it is really really appreciated thank you it makes this possible thank it you it does uh, likewise for hbs scotland um, another great uh, yep. sponsor of ours uh, and supporter. Thank you very much to Nigel and the team there yep. and Peter and all the others, all the other mm -hmm. guys there. Thank you. And also a special thanks just to Merson uh, Group of, of uh, East Kilbride who do the gantry refurbishments and other types of work in Glasgow for, for some equipment that they supplied us earlier in the year Very that helpful. helped us to, to get some of our digitization done as yeah. well. So that that's that. So thank you to all of them for that. In terms of activities and what we've got on the go at the moment, we continue to scan and digitize a whole raft of material. We've scanned more material now than we ever have. Mm -hmm. We've been sharing a lot of good new photos online recently, which I'm sure people have picked up on. There oh, will yeah. be a lot more of that in 2023. Crucially, we're scanning a lot of documents as well. So these will continue to become available on the website. On any of the pages you're looking at, watch out for the From the Archive section at the bottom. There's often PDFs and things that you can click there to view, opening booklets, reports, all that sort of stuff. So they continue to grow as well. So there'll be much more of that, including, crucially, a lot of unbuilt schemes. Yeah. Which I know people are interested in. have had a, a massive hoard of these yep. lately. So stay tuned. Yeah. Website development continues apace as well. People remember two years ago, just about now, we launched our current yep. website. Yep. Yep. Much much better um, on mobile yep 85 percent of all our thousands of viewers every month are visiting us on mobile so the, the the mobile site in particular will continue to develop through next year and i have some some particular ideas in mind and i'm working closely with patrick who helps us well with our graphic design big thanks to patrick as well without him uh certainly i would no, probably have gone mad a long time ago he's a genius yep he is yep. indeed uh so thank you to him um in terms of big events next year we actually have four that are coming Four big anniversaries in 2023. The first one coming up is Clyde Tunnel, which turns 60 in that's, March. That's a big yeah. one. So yeah. you can expect a booklet and possibly a badge for that. Oh, add okay. to the collection. Yeah. A favourite of yours comes in April. Mm -hmm. Clydeside Expressway turns <laughs> 50. 
It does. Yeah. So um, there'll be a booklet for that. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that one. Yeah. Yep. We also have, believe it or not, and this is more of a niche one, but people might be interested all the same, the St. James Interchange flyovers, they turn 30 next year. Oh, right. Yeah. As does part of the Linwood Bypass. So, so they do. Yeah. yeah, I've never thought of that. Mm-hmm. We often think of these older things yeah. that we're doing. So there'll be a wee booklet coming for St. James and the 37 30th birthday. Goodness yeah. me. I never got a booklet about me when I was no, 30. No, And the, the, the last one, which will probably be a, a sort of a... <laughs> Big event that we'll, yep. we'll probably cover in conjunction with, with Transport Scotland and others. The Connell Bridge up at Oban yep. on the A8, uh, um It turns 120 uh, next year as well. Yeah, and it's with, it's nice to do something that's further yeah, afield. A wee bit further out. So they're the four big main main anniversaries next year. So that that's all going to come come along as well. So I hope people are, are interested in that. Um, <clears throat> in terms of our inner ring road offering, obviously that some of the pages have been updated recently. We have a page in the south and east flanks, which will finally finally. Uh, go live soon. Uh, I have a page in the highway plan for Glasgow. That's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a page in some of the famous engineering companies who were involved uh, in the various schemes as well. And a number of other options that are coming down the line, which I'm hoping to put out in 2023. Mm-hmm. So stick with us for that. It's another busy year, Stuart. Yeah, it is. It is indeed. Um, <clears throat> and social media will obviously continue. We have your then and now posts. Yeah, we're doing, on doing very well. Check we have Wojciech's car spotting posts on Thursdays. Yeah. We have Duncan's occasional then and nows and his aerial shots, which obviously do very well. And we have a, a variety of other ones that, that, that go out generally as well. I'm always so. trying to get some new material <coughs> on these. And yeah. so, so, you know, it's on the usual places. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there's a, there's a lot more to come on that as well. And and at this stage, me as chair of the Scottish Road Archive, I should special thanks to the secretary, John. You know, thank thank you, you for all your assistance this year and for helping us with the podcast. And we've got some big ideas mm-hmm. of what we're going to do next year. Mm-hmm. Likewise, to Duncan is one of our research <clears throat> officers as well. Thank you. Thanks to Wojciech Borowski, who's never on the podcast, but he does a lot of work in the He's background working well. right now yep. in the background, <clears throat> sorting your calendars out. Yeah, calendars for, for distribution <laughs> and, and, and shipping. And of course, Nick as well. Thanks for your continued uh, efforts as well with the various things that people don't see that go on yes, behind the scenes. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and thanks to everyone who did. My voice is pretty good. <laughs> uh, thanks to everyone who did pick up a calendar. Yeah. Uh, it was the most we had. <coughs> excuse me, the most mm-hmm. we had sold in in one year. So we're uh, delighted by that. So that keeps us on the line. It really year. does. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I'll let your voice recover yep. and I'll see us out this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I just want to say a massive thanks um, to to Nick and Duncan. Thanks for coming along, guys, uh, and doing this. Thank here. you very much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate the, the opportunity to be here again. Yeah. It's been really, really good. Um, same next year, guys, same time. <laughs> yeah, we'll maybe always do a mid-year that. one as well. Of course. Back always, yeah. always. <laughs> okay, no, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Um, and that's that's us. As always, um, you will find all these podcasts throughout the year, Scottish Roadscast, uh, on your usual podcast providers, Podbean being the main one, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon, all of them. They're all on there. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. It's always good to hear from people who listen. We're delighted. You will get copies of them on YouTube as well. You can watch yeah. them on there. Uh, no, no material visually certainly, but you can certainly listen to us yeah. on YouTube if you, if you enjoy that more. I've alluded to it uh, just before we go about the social media, yeah. and you went over the post there. Usual Facebook, Twitter, Instagram yeah. to, to see what we're, we're up to. Yeah, a very merry Christmas to all followers, all listeners throughout the year on social media everywhere. If you follow us, thank you for your support continues to motivate us and pushes us to keep going with this which is still a volunteer organization mm. you know we, we still do all this as a hobby of our own backs and we do. thank yeah. you 
and we'll keep going a good new year to everyone as well and John and I will see you back here in January 2023 for the first episode of next year's season of the podcast indeed Merry Christmas everyone and goodbye thank you all cheers